0: Great, so today we're continuing in our toolbox series. Uh, Last week, Ian looked at hearing God's voice. So we've done a a great journey through the Bible, God's word. How do we get the most out of it? How do we hear him speak through that? Then we went into the practicals um, of hearing his voice and all the many different ways that we can hear him speak to us. Today, we're gonna look at slightly the reverse of how do we actually speak to him? So I'm gonna get stuck into uh, the scripture right away. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Matthew 6, um, the end of a famous passage, the sermon... um, Um, on the mount so uh, starts Matthew five then to Matthew six you sort of imagine Jesus uh, sitting there and then uh, sort of crowds around him and he just starts talking he starts sharing and he goes all the way through and right towards the end he gets to a part where he starts speaking into generosity and giving and then into prayer so we'll pick it up in uh, verse five it's going to be up on the screen as well, but I'll uh, read for you too. So this is what it says. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, That's us, most of us, unless we're Jewish origin, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you even ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Other translations would would say hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offences, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offences. Great. Now, uh, there were probably some players and supporters of the English rugby team who feel that prayer doesn't particularly work um, in the context. Me being one of them, I have supported England uh, my whole life, so although being here from back in the day of Rob Andrews and Rory Underwood, then on to the days of Matt Dawson and of course Johnny Wilkinson, and then on to now as well, where I never expected them to make the final anyway. But I also do really enjoy South Africa. So for me it wasn't the worst thing um, at all to see them win In fact, it was really exciting. I think it's got, (laughs) it wasn't the worst thing. Um, And I probably would be wearing an English jersey still in pride today, but um, I couldn't afford one. They're such a rip. So uh, (laughs) I should have just bought a white T-shirt and put a rose on it. Anyway, um, the, the, the point is, is that there would have been many different contexts of people praying about yesterday. Now, In God's whole sovereign plan, there's probably many reasons why he would let different teams win, and he's doing far greater things than we ever could. And so I probably think he deemed it uh, probably better, more effective for South Africa and South African people for them to win. But the interesting thing is, there would have been people on one side praying, probably some players who are Christ followers. Lord Jesus, it would just be amazing to win this trophy. Um, Brexit is rough. You know, people are messing it around. We voted for Brexit, but now they're trying to change our minds anyway. Like, this would just be so good for the country to unite it. It would be great for the Queen you know Harry's there so you know you've got them praying as well Um, then you've got the South Africans as well going we're in a mess as well Uh, you know it's just amazing for us to be here we're united team like Lord Jesus please help us to win and God's making calls um, on the back of it as well at the same time so you know we're not exactly sure what God was doing in the process but I celebrate with South Africa in it. Now, some other prayer things. On Friday, um, I met with a friend. We had a, a great chat and a prayer time together, and what was amazing is, is while we were praying, a verse popped into my mind, and uh, I just said this verse as I was praying. And then afterwards, chatting to him, he was just like, do you know what? That verse was sort of said over my life over 40 years ago, and the Lord. this is almost like a promise that the Lord is now saying back to me, don't give up hope. I'm not done with you yet. It may be 40 years, but I'm at work in your life. And I just sat there going, Lord, how incredible that I have no idea why that verse came to mind while I was praying. I had no idea that it had been said over him in another nation over 40 years ago. And yet... Whilst we're praying, whilst God is working in our hearts, he brings together two things as a great source of encouragement for me, that actually God is working through my prayers, a great source of encouragement for my friend who I was praying for, oh my goodness, God hasn't forgotten me, and it was just an amazing picture of God working through something called prayer. And then on top of that, over the last few weeks, our water has been running lower and lower. We have a ball, we don't know how deep it is, but uh, it's been down to the sort of, you flush the toilets, like, you know, you do what you can, and then you just pray that somehow some water flows into that borehole um, because there's no ways that we're drilling another borehole. Anyway, so it's been getting worse and worse and worse, and obviously the weather report is just beautiful sunshine for as long as we can see, and I'm just praying about this saying, Lord Jesus, well, I'm know you. you i going to lay hands on that tank and that borehole uh, when I get home today because uh, we need this problem sorted out because there's no other plan. So I'm sort of thinking and saying, Lord, I know you can solve this. You're easy. You're such a miracle-working God like we've been singing, and then uh, lo and behold, I'm at the shops on my way home, and you start. To see the storm clouds coming. And it was just amazing to see these storm clouds come. We had amazing rain. Northward where we are is like the desert of Harare. People in Greystone, well not even Greystone Park, they're the semi-desert. But people in Greendale, like last year, they had like a bumper rainy season. They always do. And then somehow us we sat there going, did we even have any rain this year? So I mean is weird like that. Anyway, we still got rain. We didn't get hail or anything cool, but we at least got rain. And in the morning, our tank is like absolutely full. Part of the reason is, is because our whole garden is an antel. So I think that as it rained, it's just brilliant because no water is wasted. It just flows all the way through down to the bottom. And because there's a whole antel, oof, suddenly our water level is just up like that. So I mean, that's the miraculous sign. But I sat there going, Lord, I know that you didn't just bring that rain for Craig. Of course you didn't. There's many other reasons in your sovereign plan that you brought rainfall to us at that time. We all needed it. But how incredible that again, it's like a source of encouragement to our lives where we can be praying about something and we have a slightly different perspective and then God answers the prayer in his supernatural way for his supernatural purposes but it brings us such excitement and expectancy because we pray with faith. So those are two uh, just quick stories um, uh, on the same day of just God using prayer um, in the mix. And there's so many others uh, of more important ones or lesser important ones that I could share, but those are some. But when we get to the talking about prayer, I would imagine that just like me, for you, there'll be a number of different words you would use to describe your prayer life. Now, if you're here for the first time and you've never thought of the Christian faith before you're exploring it, for you, you might have said it at school one day, I prayer, or maybe there's been a crisis and suddenly you've been like, God, I need your help. There's different reasons why we'd cry out to someone supernatural. But maybe some of these words describe your prayer life. It could be special, could be powerful, could be frustrating, Could be it has a sense of mystery about it. I'm not exactly sure what it's like. Ineffective, maybe some would say boring. Feels like I'm talking to a brick wall, talking to the ceiling, whatever you're looking at when you pray. Some would say intimate. Some would say I find that it has a lot of perseverance to it. I sort of have to battle in my prayer life and then something happens. Some would say time stands still. Sort of the, 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 the minutes just become, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes or suddenly it's an hour and I I just didn't even know. So there's many different things we would use to describe our prayer life. I'd imagine that sort of sums up some of yours. Now Crossway, an organization who created or helped put together the ESV Bible, a great translation, and have done many other things in the sort of research department of the Christian faith, they very recently did a survey where they surveyed thousands and thousands of people who called themselves Christ followers. So maybe not all of them were, but people who did, they did a survey that they sent out and they got some great results back. So, um, if we jump across, should be an image that comes up, I think. Okay, so maybe you'll see some of it, maybe you won't. Basically, this is what's happening. So, uh, assessing your prayer life. So, they asked people on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your prayer life? Number one at the bottom, going all the way up from there. So, Obviously, there's some people, uh, a fair amount, who are like, it is horrific at the bottom. The dots symbolize uh, 1% of those who voted. Okay, So you can work out the percentage there. So along the bottom, a lot of people are like, it's terrible. My prayer life is not fun at all. Then you've got sort of this band in the middle, probably the Joe averages who didn't want to seem bad on a survey. It's okay, it's average. So there's always going to be the averages. And then only at the top, which is the we think our prayer life is brilliant, you can see there's 2% of those surveyed who filled out the top two and then uh, 4 in the other one. So 6 total in that top bracket. So interesting gauge. And I would imagine if we did it across us at Harvest, that would be the case. There would be a group of us, maybe about 25%, who would say it's non existent or it's terrible. would be uh, the people in the middle would be like no it's okay sometimes I feel that my prayer life is exciting sometimes not and then there's probably a few amongst us maybe there's 20 or so who just say it is electric I just am desperate to pray every day as often as I can it is absolutely electric so you'll be somewhere in the mix flip over again to the next one okay so this was just a daily prayer how many minutes do you spend per day you can um, ignore the um, white part that was where they were testing partners uh, not partners (laughs) pastors Um, and then on the other one is lay people which just is anyone who isn't a pastor and you can see that the highest amount ranking is in the lowest amount of time so people who prayed five to ten minutes a day or fairly regularly quite a big chunk and then it steadily uh, goes downwards towards those who are praying for 45 minutes or 60 minutes okay next one You just sort of get the flavor of stuff as we go. Perfect. This is um, across the generations. When do people find their best time to pray? And what is so interesting is from the youngest people, the Gen Zs, uh, into Gen uh, Y, which is uh, my age bracket, into Gen X and the baby boomers, the more mature amongst us, actually everyone um, had a fairly high proportion saying that they like to pray in the morning. So whilst there was a slight difference with the Gen Z, um, a, a slightly higher percentage on others, everyone to a large extent said, the best time that we find to pray is early in the morning. That was interesting. Next one. So this is an interesting one in terms of our weekly prayer um, and uh, you can obviously read it over there, but uh, concentrated uninterrupted time of prayer uh, in the past week, this, this amazed me, actually. It said 70% of people said that they hit 10 minutes. That was quite encouraging to me out of all the people. As I said, I don't know how truthful they were, but uh, I think it was encouraging. Uh, 20% of people said they prayed for more than 10 minutes, and then obviously just a small amount who said we prayed for more than 60 minutes. Next one. Okay, this is interesting, barriers to prayer. Um, what were the biggest things that stopped people from praying? And you could see their distractions jumping in there and uh, you can read through the others nice heart shape as well so it doesn't make it look as bad Um, but you can see that we're people who get distracted we're people who are so busy and we have technology and we have everything else bubbling into our lives that things affect our time with God next one I think we've got a few more. Uh, This is the last one. This was one of how many people use something else. We've spoken about the Bible and using the Bible as our source as we've gone through the series. How many people use something else to help them pray? A fairly large chunk of people might use journal. They might write down what they think God's saying to them. Uh, They might write down prayer points. They might read something else as well. So it just gives an interesting uh, flavor to what people are dealing with across the globe in a big survey. Perfect, so that's a really interesting one to look at, and I'm not sure where you fit in those categories here at Harvest today. I would imagine we're in similar bands to that as we process our prayer life. Maybe you pray only when in crisis, maybe you pray regularly, maybe it's part of your life, maybe it's something that you go well for a week or so, and then suddenly you tail off, we'll all be in different brackets when it comes to our prayer life. But to challenge us as we get going, two great quotes. One from Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said, as it is the business of tailors to make clothes and the business of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. Interesting, I'm just saying, this is, this is what it's really, truly about. Corrie Ten Boom, some of you may know her, uh, responsible for helping rescue um, and hide many people in their home during the Nazi um, era in Germany. Um, the, so she helped save many people. Uh, she's famous for once saying, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is prayer your, sp- um, your steering wheel or your spare tire? And I trust today, that for us at Harvest, we would make a decision today to make prayer our business as Christ followers. We make a decision for it to be the steering wheel of our lives rather than the spare tire that we pull out when there is an emergency. So firstly, always good to get onto these things. What is prayer? You can head across to the next one, thanks. I think it'll come up and we'll go through the verse. Here. First one, what is prayer? May seem self-explanatory, but I have some interesting to sh- things to share on it. So the Hebrew word, you'll see this in Hebrew and Greek, the Hebrew word for pray, and there's a number of different roots to this and how it's used in the Old Testament uh, where, we, where we translate into English. Um, it is a word the closest they can get called ki, almost like said ki, lamed, lamed. Now these words, Hebrew, a lot of the words that you say are sort of pictorial, so these words are quite interesting. The ki part talks about a mouth, literally a mouth, and then the other two are sort of about a staff, a staff that you would use for sheep, a shepherd's staff. But actually when you dive a little bit deeper, um, and the reason why it's repeated is in Hebrew language. Adjective-wise, they used to duplicate words to say it's really important. So if you said something twice, it was important. If you said something three times, it sort of added extra weight to what you were saying. So, uh, pictorially, um, you get a bit of an idea of a mouth, something to do with speech, something to do with uh, saying something, and then the staff actually has a number of words when you look at it Um, Hebrew-wise. It's to do with having authority, having uh, sort of control over something, an urge to move forward, to sort of walk with your staff and go forward. And if you look literally, Um, It really says something like to speak with tongues of tongues. You might go, what's it really getting at to speak with tongues of tongues? What's so interesting is, is when you look at it, the writer's almost struggling to grapple with exactly what prayer is. It's about speaking. You have a sense of authority when you speak, but there's also a sense that you're speaking to someone in authority. There's a sense of direction and moving towards someone, and we're kind of working out exactly what prayer is, but we can't give you one singular word to what it is. Jump into Greek, and the word for prayer is prosek or prosekamai, or prosuka, prosuka. That's probably better. Any Greek scholars, that'd be right? Any Greek scholars? Amongst us, great. So I could just say it however I want. <laughs> now, the root of that word used for prayer, yucca, that means a vow, means a vow or to will. Something and the verb yukamai that sort of means the same but to wish to will to vow also translated as prayer and if you add pros on the front of it so pros or pros yukamai that literally means we want to will towards something we want to vow towards something we want to move in our direction towards some something so prayer effectively in the new testament when we talk about prayer it was people saying we're wanting to say things of value we're wanting to say things that we're wanting to see happen but it's towards something, i.e. towards God. Again, it's not super clear, is it? It's not super direct as to what it is. And even in the Bible, prayer is described as many different things. It's described as seeking God's favor in Exodus 32. It's described as pouring out your soul to the Lord, 1 Samuel 1 verse 15. It's said as crying out to heaven in 2 Chronicles, drawing near to God in Psalm 73, and kneeling before the Father in Ephesians 3, amongst many others. These are all descriptions of what prayer is really like. And what I love about these definitions is it's almost the writer straining, trying, reaching for the best possible definition to describe this mysterious connection that we can have between the supernatural creator of the universe. It's amazing when we look at it, it's them trying to give a real description to it And there's always gonna be a sense of mystery surrounding our personal relationship with the King of Kings, and I love it. Because if it was straightforward and down the line, this is exactly how you talk to God, this is exactly how you uh, listen and hear his voice, I just don't think we'd really be talking to God. There wouldn't be the electric mystery of how's he gonna speak and what am I gonna say. So some would say that prayer is just talking with God. Others would say it's talking to God. And uh, I, the, the definition I like the most is one from John Piper. And this is what he says. He goes through all of it and he says, prayer is intentionally conveying a message to God. So you can click over to that just so you have it up there. And I love this, there's many different great definitions, but intentionally conveying a message to God. Why do I like it? Well, first, intention. You see, we're giving messages to God all the time, right? We're giving messages by the way that we act, by what we think, by whether we listen to what he's saying and act it out or not. We're giving messages all the time. We're giving messages to other people, we're giving messages to him. So prayer is I intentionally want to give a message to God. I'm doing this on purpose. With my heart's desires, I'm wanting to give a message to him. And what I love with conveying a message is that we don't always speak when we pray. God knows what's in our hearts, right? He knows what's in our minds. He knows what we're thinking. So it doesn't have to be verbal. We could be praying it in our mind. We don't have to be saying anything necessary. We could be saying words we don't necessarily understand. God does, but we don't, so it's conveying a message, comes across in different ways, and obviously to God. So I love it, I think a a great definition that encompasses a number of different things when we talk about prayer, that's why I like it. But if you want to, to stick with, it's just me talking to God, great. I'm happy with that as well. So first one, what is prayer? We've given a little bit of it on there. Next one. The second point is the privilege of prayer. So we talk about what is it? Why is it such a privilege? Why should we be excited about our prayer life? Uh, Charles Spurgeon, famous preacher in the UK, this is what he said, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Don't you love that? True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It's not just in your mind. It's not just saying things. It's far deeper than that. It's a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. E.M. Bounds said, prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. What a privilege to be able to pray, talk to the living God. So when we pray, we gain access to the living God. Time can sometimes stand still. There's sometimes a weight in the room, a special sort of silence. It's difficult to describe, but when we are in the presence of God, when we're speaking with him, we're hearing his voice, it is electric a great article from Crossway on the back of their survey that they sent out. They said, prayer is a central, not peripheral, means of grace, means of God's goodness for Christians. God has given it to us as a precious gift that opens up intimate access to him. God has established prayer as the means by which we receive his supernatural help, and without supernatural help, we cannot live a life worthy of the gospel. Everything that distinguishes Christians from the world is a Christ-exalting way, um, in a Christ-exalting way is a work of God's supernatural grace and somehow God has ordained that this grace flows to us through prayer. It is integral. We cannot live the Christian life without prayer. It is central, not peripheral. Amazing example. So that's a little bit on the privilege of it. What about how do we actually do it? How do we actually do it? And I think there's some great pointers that we're gonna get today. So if you click over to the next one, thanks, Kev. How do we pray? Dive back into that passage and we're gonna go through it briefly and uh, I, I trust it's gonna be exciting for you. So verse five, whenever you pray, click over. Thanks so much. Brilliant. Starting off that you can know about prayer, it can be done at any time. There's different faiths that have specific times. You have to be at prayers. When it comes to us as Christ followers, whenever. Whenever. I think it's great for us to have set aside times to pray, set aside times to to talk with God, set aside times to intentionally connect with Him, but whenever. Whatever works for you, whenever, throughout the day, continually talking to Him, whenever. And I love how Jesus put that in. Whenever you pray. Okay. We saw that from the infographics. People do it at different times. I want to encourage us as a church to set aside specific times. Maybe it's early in the morning before anyone's awake. Maybe it's at the office in lunch break. Maybe it's in the evening before you go to sleep. Whenever it works for you, it's going to take time to build a habit. Set aside time to connect with the King of Kings. Okay, so whenever you pray. You must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in heaven, who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Click over. Thanks so much, perfect. So first one, it can be done any time. Second one, prayer is between you and God, not to impress anyone. Prayer is between you and God. And so how do we make that effective? Jesus used to take himself away, he set great examples. He would take himself away to a solitary place to set a great example for us. And then over here he says, listen, it's not about what other people see. It's not about what other people hear. It's about time with you and your heavenly father as a Christ follower. So get away, put that phone on silent, leave it in a different room, read from a book so that you don't have to worry about a message suddenly come on or or if you happen to only have a phone, put it in airplane mode, but get away to a place that's quiet with no distractions. This is a special time between you and God. Andrew Murray, he said, each time before you intercede, before you pray, be quiet first and worship God in his glory. Think of what he can do and how he delights to hear the prayers of his people. Think of your place and your privilege in Christ and expect great things. He says, get away, get by yourself, then be expectant for the king of kings to spend time with you in quietness. So first one, whenever, get a time that works for you. Second one, Get alone, it's not about what other people think, it's not what other people hear, it's you by yourself with God. With moms with young kids, that might be tough. As I said before, when it came to reading the Bible, this is the one thing your husbands cannot say no to. I'm giving uh, you license, ladies, on this. If you say, I really need to spend time with Jesus, they will look after the kids. If they don't, we will have a meeting at the church offices. No excuses, okay. That's the one thing husbands can definitely help. So within reason, and as I said, you better leave your phone outside so that you don't sit on Facebook, okay. So uh, that's, otherwise that's between you and God. But husbands can definitely help with that if that's a reason. Third one, uh, click over to the next one. Thanks so much, Kev. Uh, When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine They'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Next grade pointer, be yourself and use your own language. When you talk with God, when you have time with him, be yourself. Use your own voice how you would normally talk. Let things flow. On camp. Uh, that I used to lead at some busy holidays. We would get teenage, teenagers in there and uh, we would have some prayer time together as leaders. And it was just so interesting that guys would really get themselves worked up and they would start to talk absolutely different to how they did normally um, and in, in a negative way. So an example would be the one who I did have a talk with. It would go something like this. Lord Father God, please help Father God. Ask Father God to have an amazing time, Father God. Um, during the, the singing time, Father God. And then hot chocolate, Father God. I just ask Father God, that it would go brilliant, Father God, that people would have so much fun, Father God, and tomorrow, Father God, we really want to go to the lake, Father God, so please help it not to rain, Father God, but we're so excited, Father God. I mean, it was so it was like this, and many others have phrasing like this when they get praying in public. Now, that's a bit like babbling. Now, his heart and his intention was right, so I don't want to knock him. But the point is, is he had developed this kind of different way of talking to God than how he normally spoke. Because he didn't say that to me. Hey, Craig, buddy, I'd really like buddy too. See you tomorrow, buddy. Let's go for coffee, buddy. He didn't talk like that normally, but suddenly he jumped into it in a different sense. We can do the same. But talk to God how you normally talk. Talk to him how you normally speak We're talking to the creator of the universe who knows everything that we're about to say. He doesn't wanna hear our babbling because he already knows the point we're trying to get across. He's after a relationship with you and I. Be normal and be yourself. Lady called Hannah Moore says, prayer is not about eloquence but earnestness. It's not the definition of helplessness but the feeling of it. It's not figures of speech but, but earnestness of soul. It's not about eloquence. It's not about how you say things. It's about earnestness. Amazing, so those are good challenges for as you get going and thinking about it, and now we jump into Jesus' model that he gives us. So you click over to the next, thanks very much. Perfect, so, ah, can stay on that, excellent. So this is what he says, so he goes through this part, don't be like different guys, God already knows what you're gonna ask him, and then he goes into the Lord's prayer. Therefore, you should pray like this, Now, personally, I believe that Jesus isn't saying that those are the words you and I have to say every time we pray, because then that would be babbling. We'd be saying the same thing over and over and over again, repeating ourselves over and over again. Do I think there's power in doing it? Yes, 100%. We can do it more as a church, and we want to. As different um, schools and things, there's great power in saying the Lord's prayer together. We're gonna do it at the end. But Jesus is taking us through a principle because Jesus didn't say the Lord's Prayer every time he prayed. He said different things when he prayed, but he's saying, guys, this is sort of a great format for you to follow. It's an important aspect for you to follow in your Christian faith. So let's dive into how he says we should pray. And it's a great, great model because it's from God himself. So this is what he says. Um, He says, our Father in Christ heaven, our Father in heaven. First and foremost, as Christ follows, we're coming to our heavenly dad. At the starting point, before we even get into anything else, it's for us to remember in our minds and our hearts, we're coming to a heavenly dad, our father. Paul in Romans, in that amazing chapter that we've been going through a lot, he said, you pray, Abba, Father, and the Abba translation is daddy. That's the translation, daddy. That's how close Paul, the powerhouse of the Bible, the one responsible for planting most of the early church and getting it going, he recognized that when he came to talk to his heavenly father, he could say, Daddy. That's what he could say. So it's knowing who this God is. He loves us. He sent his son to die for us. He accepts us as Christ follows in spite of our sin and in spite of our mess before we've done anything to please him, before we've done anything right. What does Father also say? Father also says that he's not like our buddy, he's not like our boyfriend, he's not like a slot machine. Father has a different connotation than that. So it's important for us to get a sense in Father that there's a little bit of authority but the best kind, there's leadership but the best kind, If you've had an earthly dad that has let you down um, in a terrible way or you've never experienced an earthly dad, sometimes that can twist or corrupt how you see God as father. But for you, you can look to someone who's had a great dad, you can sort of see a little picture in that dad of what the heavenly father is talking about. This is a level of honor, a level of respect, but an overwhelming sense of love. So that's the starting point. When you remember, um, when you start off, he's your father. He is your father. What a privilege we have to speak to a perfect father. And if that overocks your prayer life, that's the best place to start. And then he's not just our father, but he's our father in heaven. He's our father in heaven, our home to be. Yes, he's here with us, yes, he's here with us, and he's, and he's present, but he's seated and he rules and reigns in heaven, which one day is going to be home for us. He rules and reigns supreme, he is eternal, he is in absolute control of your life and mine. Nothing takes him by surprise, he's not racing around in heaven going, oh my goodness, who was gonna win? I just didn't know South Africa was gonna do it, oh my goodness, and then how are we gonna solve the problems of England now that they're all in depression? No, he knew it, he knows everything. He's seated on his throne. He is ruling and he is reigning. One day we will be with him forever in heaven, but nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing happens apart from his will. And that is the most comforting place to live. No matter what happens in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, he is in control. He will bring good out of it. And ultimately, as a Christ follower, we have heaven with him to look forward to, a new heaven and a new earth. And so why start like this? Well, because he's my dad who loves me, and he is in absolute control of my life. What a starting point to talking to him. So when, you, when you're praying with him on a daily basis, have that as your starting point. He's my dad, he is in control of everything then we get stuck into everything else. What a great starting point. So he's our father in heaven. Next one, your name be honored as holy or hallowed be your name. This is about saying, Lord, in my life, you're my dad, you rule and reign, and in my life, and in everyone I come into contact with, it's my prayer that you would be most important above all. That when people look at me and when people see me, they would go, In Craig's life, I know without a shadow of a doubt that God is the most important thing to him and in the rest of our lives, that he would overflow and fill all of our conversations. We're praying and saying, Lord, may you be valued and treasured above everything else in our church, in our community, in our neighborhood. May people know that you are the king in our city, in our nation, in our conversations because your name is greater than anything else. It's saying, Lord Jesus, may I I not cheapen who you are. May I not reduce you to a slot machine who's just there to do what I want. You are the greatest above all and you deserve all honor and praise. And may I show the world the reality of who you are. May your name be honored as holy, set apart, different of the highest value. You move on to that after that. Next one, Jesus goes on to, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a great phrase. See, God's kingdom is about his rule and reign. You imagine a king and everywhere where people obey what that king says, that's the rule and reign that governs and guides the boundaries of his kingdom. Now when Jesus came to earth, he said the kingdom of heaven is here, it's at hand why God had created everything, but he said, suddenly now in my coming, the kingdom is coming in a new and fresh way. The king is coming in his saving and redemptive work like never before, to purchase back his people and to show us a taste of what the end is gonna be like when I come in my fullness. So Jesus ushered in God's saving and redemptive work as a king in people's hearts, and then that overflows into different aspects of creation and life and that's why we get so excited when we see these sparks we see these little fires of God's kingdom breaking out we see people healing and um, sorry we see people healing and getting healed we see um, relationships restored we see people coming to faith we see this kingdom that's alive both within our hearts but also in creation around us God's kingdom is now and not yet. We're never gonna see it fully now. All of us in this room, we're gonna die. No matter how fit you look today, you are gonna die. It's gonna happen to all of us. So no matter how much we're healed on earth, no matter how close we get to God, we're gonna see some of that kingdom now and then we're gonna see it perfectly for all eternity when he comes again. As Christ follows, we pray that God's kingdom would come now in the saving and redeeming work in people's lives, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, and then we look ultimately to him completing that work. And then we pray his will to be done in all things. Not our wants and our desires, not God what I want, but King Jesus what you want, because what you want is best for me, it's best for where I live, it's best for this church, it's best for the nation. Do you know what it does when we pray like this? When we see him as father, when we see that he rules and reigns supreme, when we see um, and that we go back over there, when we see um, that his name is honored as holy, and when we see um, that we start praying his kingdom comes, do you know what that does? It takes the spotlight off ourselves. See, as a person, and I'm sure as many of ours, it is so easy for me to live for myself and to pray for myself. But if we follow that model of prayer, I can tell you that your prayer life will not be selfish. Your prayer life will be driven and directed to where God wants it to go because you'll be focusing on the right things. It's a prayer, but it's also like a declaration. God's kingdom is going to come, and nothing's gonna stop it. God's will will come to pass. And nothing's going to stop it. So, this part of the prayer is us acknowledging who King Jesus is and orientating our lives around him rather than the other way around. And then, what you see happen. Mark 11, verse 24, it says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. How can Mark say that? Because I don't know about, about you, but so often I pray things, they don't happen, or they take a long time, and I sit there going, Lord, did I hear you right? Have you heard my prayer? What are you saying about it? We run into these confusing parts. If our prayers are in line with God's will, and with God's kingdom coming, they will be answered. They may not be answered immediately. They may not be answered in this lifetime. But if our prayers are in line with God's will, his unchanging will, we'll start to see more and more prayers answered. Because what we'll be praying is what he's bringing to pass already. Now we don't always know that, and so sometimes we're praying things and it doesn't turn out as we expected, or sometimes we're praying things and he's saying, yeah, that person is gonna be healed forever. They will be healed one day when they die, or this relationship is gonna be restored in 35 years' time and three months and 16 days. You don't know that yet, but it's gonna happen like that. But as we pray according to his will, we'll start to see more and more prayers answered because we're praying in line with what he is doing. So there'll be question marks. There'll be tough questions, things we'll never know in this lifetime. But the more we focus on those things at the start, the more we'll see our prayers answered because they're in line with what he's doing. And even in the questions, we can be so assured that our Father, who is in heaven, loves us and will bring to completion what he's doing in our hearts, what he's doing in others. So if you're seeing prayer go unanswered. It's a difficult thing. Lots of prayers, I've been praying recently that I've prayed over my lifetime that are not looking like God's answering them and not looking like he's doing what I expected in the process at all. It could be a case of persevering in my life, could be a case of God training, could be a case of waiting a period. I spoke a number of weeks back about that lady trusting for healing for the bleeding problem that she had that took years and years and years. We don't know why. God could have done it instantly and so we we have these tough questions that we deal with. But keep asking him, keep trusting him keep grappling with those questions and ultimately keep resting in the fact that he will bring good and he will do his work. So we pray into those sorts of things. And then once we've done that, we get into actually talking a little bit more about the things that we're dealing with personally. Give us today our daily bread. Notice the words today and bread. Jesus didn't say, give us tomorrow our daily feast. We didn't say, give us in a year's time, our daily takeaways from the restaurant. He said, give us today our daily bread, and I think he was very specific about that because he wanted us to learn a few important lessons. Firstly, we as people always wanna know the future. We wanna be comfortable. We wanna know how everything's gonna turn out. We wanna have everything planned that eradicates the need for trust in God. So he says, guys, when you pray, just worry about today. I'm in heaven everything is planned out, I've got it down, it's gonna be okay, just worry about today. So our prayer is Lord Jesus today, and then what is our prayer today? Not worrying about the rest, give us today our daily bread. Not our feast, because we're not after everything that we want, we're not after everything being perfect, we're not after comfort, we're just after what we need. Just after what we need. So Jesus was specific in those two things, because one, we can get greedy, As people, we just want more comfort, more things, more stuff, an easier life, and we want everything planned out for the rest of our future. And God says, now I want you to trust me. So I want you to pray about today, and I want you to pray about what you need, and I'll sort out everything else. So important. Um, Our little Layla and Erin. They've got complete confidence that dad has it under hand, except at the beach when I let them get clapped by a wave and almost drown. Other than that, Dad has it in hand. They're not sitting there going, "But mom and dad, like we just don't know what's going to happen for dinner. We just have no clue where the food is going to come from. Where? Oh, it's just going to come." And they just call it like it is, hey, mom, I need water. Mom, I need bread. Mom, what else is there? And they obviously have to say please and stuff. But there's no question in their minds of, oh, my goodness, tomorrow to get to preschool. I just don't know inside my lunchbox. I just don't know what's going to be there. Do I have to get carrots? Will there be anything at pick and pay? It's not even on their radar. Couldn't care less. Mom and dad will sort it out for us. It's how God wants us to be. He's our dad. We're his kids Let him worry about those sorts of things. We just struggle when we become adults. We struggle to still be kids. Philippians 4, and then I'm almost at the end. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Present them to your heavenly dad. He'll give you what you need for today. Let him worry about tomorrow. Trust him, and he will sort it out. Perfect, what a great thing, thank you Lord. Uh, forgive us our debts, comma, as we also have forgiven our debtors. As Christ follows, we've got massive debts to God, the debt of our sin. It's been paid in full on the cross. Tetelestai, that Jesus shouted on the cross, it is finished, is an accounting term. Stamp, paid in full, done, your account is up to date, finished, your debt is done. When Jesus said that on the cross, when he died for you and I, he was saying the debt of your sin is done. It's paid. It's gone as a Christ follower. If you accept what I've done for you on the cross, it is done, it is paid in full. But here's the kicker. Forgive us our debts, Lord Jesus, as we also have forgiven our debtors. The proof that we received Christ's forgiveness is that we forgive others. That is the proof. And at the end of the passage, we won't jump to it right now, but he says at the end of the passage, some very scary words. Jesus says, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly father forgives you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. Why? Because it indicates that you've not received his forgiveness. It's indicated you don't understand what you have been forgiven of Forgiveness is letting that person's debt to you be placed on Jesus's account. Saying, Lord Jesus, this pain that this person caused me, this horrific thing, I'm actually saying this debt that they owe me, I'm actually saying, Lord Jesus, that can be a debt that you deal with and I live differently. I was trying to work out in my heart and pray through what exactly is a good definition of forgiveness, there's many others I've come down to my definition of forgiveness is thinking, believing, and trusting for the best of that person. It's quite a difficult thing to think through. Someone who's wronged you in a terrible way. We saw this recently on BBC News. Uh, There was a man whose brother was murdered by a police officer uh, by mistake. Uh, BBC News cut out the part that he shared on his faith. But what he did in the courtroom, the most powerful picture, this lady who had um, murdered his brother, Killed his brother, she, she said it wasn't in cold blood. She got confused. He says to the judge, uh, well first he speaks to her and he says, listen, I want you to know and I don't speak on behalf of anyone else, I speak for myself, that I forgive you and the reason why I can forgive you is because Jesus has forgiven me and therefore I can forgive you for killing my brother. And then he says to the judge, judge, is it okay if I give her a hug? The judge says, yeah, that's okay. Gets down. She's in her cuffs and everything else. No, she's not in her cuffs. They put her into those afterwards. Comes and gives her a hug. She's sobbing, he's crying. Um, The most powerful picture of what earthly forgiveness looks like. If you look at it, find it on the news. Don't watch the BBC version. They take out the part about faith. Watch the American version um, that uh, he actually shares. The most powerful picture of what forgiveness is. So if you feel names jumping to mind right now of people you haven't forgiven, Get a big picture of what God's done in forgiving you and then ask him for help, because you're gonna need his help, can't do it on your own, to then forgive others. And today, you can release those people to God. Release them, let him take care of the debt and you can live on from there. Final one, do not bring us into temptation but deliver us from evil. So God can't be tempted; He can't actually tempt anyone. But there's a sense where our fallen nature, our sinfulness, can grip us and move us towards sin rather than away from sin. Our thoughts, our desires, our actions. James one verse fourteen says, "Each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires." There's this picture of God working in our lives, but this temptation can sometimes get the better of us. It's sometimes stronger than what's happening inside and uh, takes us away from. God this is saying Lord Jesus in spite of my sin and my mess please bring me towards you pull me towards you rather than my mess pulling me away from you and we know God's faith he'll do it but it's this real prayer of saying I don't want to be held captive lead me away from what my body's doing and my mind and my sinful nature move me towards Christ Leonard Ravenhill says a sinning man will stop praying but a praying man will stop sinning don't you love it A sinning man will stop praying when we're running far from God. We wanna stop praying. When we start praying, we become more like Christ. He leads us away from temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. Ultimately, one day he'll deliver us completely got a living hope of that one day. Ultimate victory's ours, but there is a real enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He's there to mess up our lives, our marriages, the work that we're doing for God. He's there to do it, and he's very real. It's no coincidence. He's there. Jesus said in John 17, 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And so we pray the same. Lord Jesus, deliver us from the works of enemy forever because of your grace, but also now protect us, our families, our lives as we run hard after you because he is real and he is involved. So what a great picture of prayer. Final closing one on the effectiveness of our prayer because prayer is effective. I wanna leave you with a few verses and quotes as we close off. In Revelation five, verse eight, it says, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now this may sound quite strange, but what God's getting at at the end of time is he's getting at the fact that incense, fragrance, right? Getting this thing that our prayers, they please God. You and I might not always know exactly when prayers are answered and when they aren't. But when our prayers are full of faith, do you know that it's like aroma, it's pleasing to God. What a privilege and what a joy to know that our prayers are effective even when we don't know necessarily whether they're being answered or not. When we're praying in faith, do you know that it pleases God? How amazing is the power and the privilege in our prayers, pleasing God and doing a work in our lives. Soren Kierkegaard said, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. One of the powers of prayer is that we change. We become more like Christ as we pray and that is an immensely powerful thing. How about our prayers having power? Jesus says the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. If you have faith, like a little mustard seed, you're gonna be able to do great things for God. Our prayers have power. This person, uh, Mrs. Charles Cohen, she said, as a sound may dislodge an avalanche, so the prayer of, of faith sets in motion the power of God. Your prayers have power. They could set in motion an avalanche of God. In your family, in your business, in your city. The famous preacher John Wesley said, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. Your prayers are powerful. The things that you say in the quietness of your heart or in your room at home, they have power to them. They have power. Believe it and God will do stuff through it. The final thing in our prayer. We need to actively and daily preach to ourselves that God uses our prayer to bring about his final victory. He doesn't have to but sovereignly, he uses your prayers and mine to do his sovereign work. So it's incredible that whenever prayers are offered in faith for God's kingdom to come, they're put in this bowl in heaven that we were just talking about there. And if you flip over to Revelation 8, this is just so cool. So there's that bowl of incense, right? And we're praying, and it's a pleasing aroma. Then Romans 8 verse five, this is so cool, First ah, four. Um, The smoke of the incense with the prayers um, of the saints went up in the presence um, from the angel's hand. So this is at the right time. So he was given a large amount of incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar. And this is at the right time where it's at the right level. And then look, look what happens, verse five. The angel took the incense burner, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it to earth, where there are peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings of lightning, and the earthquake the end of time, God's kingdom coming. So don't you love this picture as I close that we're praying, right? Our prayers offered in faith are filling up this incense bowl. They're filling up this incense bowl, this perfume that God loves the smell of, and at the certain point, we don't know when it's gonna be, there's gonna be someone who prays a prayer and just says, oh, Father, may your kingdom come. And it's gonna be the final prayer needed to tip over this bowl, zoof, he comes, and it's the end of the world. But how amazing that our prayers, billions of prayers over the years, your kingdom come, they're going up, 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 up. Suddenly, we don't know the day, someone's gonna pray that final prayer and he's gonna be like, the bowl is full. The new heaven and the new earth. So we get to be a part of his eternal plan and our prayers have an effectiveness in it. So that day is coming, through our prayers, we get to be a part of it. Spend time in intimacy with the Father, Pray for his kingdom to come. Get your life right before him. Be expectant for him to work in you and through you as a result of your prayers offered in faith. Let's be a praying church. Let's be a church who runs hard after this. Let's be a church who grows in our prayer life, in our talking with God. Should we stand? I'd love us together, I mean maybe we've said this loads and loads of times, maybe you've been at high school and you said this every break time before and you sort of got tired of it and you did say it like it was babbling. I'd love us to say the, the Lord's Prayer together and, and I know that there is power in this model of prayer. There is power in flowing through the way Jesus taught us to. And so you can pray this and you can mean every single word and our prayers offered in faith right now, here together, they're just topping up that bowl ready for the final day, and they are powerful. They are effective. Let's pray that together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. As our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Great stuff, everyone. Uh, I am so excited about what this is gonna do. I pray you put it into practice. I pray you learn. I pray you grow. I pray you grapple. And uh, you're gonna see God do things. You're gonna see him answer prayers. You're gonna see him transform your life as a result of prayer. But otherwise, have a great Sunday. Thanks very much.